The Guardian. This is Guardian Election Daily. Hello, uh, this is Michael White and welcome to The Guardian's Daily Election Podcast. We're at the Lib Dem press conference this morning, 7.30 in central London, and I have to say, it's a lot busier than it was this time last week. Those free uh, bacon butties are being um, gobbled up by the hacks at a fair old rate. Why are we here? Same reason as everybody else. Uh, Nick Clegg is second in the Guardian's uh, uh, ICM poll today. Ahead of Labour, would you have believed that last week? No, nor would I. And uh, we and all the other horde of rubbernecking sightseers from uh, Fleet Street and the television companies are here to see how the golden boy, the Barack Obama, the Winston Churchill, the Mother Teresa of the moment is doing. I think things are moving possibly really quite fast. I mean, this election is now wide open, all bets are off. And... If you just look what's happened over the last, you know, week or so. Last week we were told, Liberal Democrats were told, you know, you're never going to see an opinion poll where you could ever rival the other two parties. Polls come and go, but that appears to have happened at least for a few days. Then this week we're told all we're good for is possibly propping up another party. I think what's, you know, I think what, what we've learned from the last few days is, is just one thing, that, that anything is possible. They're moving off now, but here's Vince Cable. Let's grab him. We're grounded in reality. You're not allowed something... to get carried away, are you? No, we're not getting carried away. We're, we're, we're encouraged. But you're um, in a pretty good place now. Yeah, we're in a good place because we're being listened to and we're being treated equals, three-party contest. That's what's good about all this. Gordon Brown said yesterday, it gets us away from the style and presentation wars. We're now entitled to talk about policy. I spoke to a Labour MP in the Midlands yesterday, ex-Labour MP. He said... Nick Clegg has opened it up for me too. People are now interested in this election and they, I can talk to them about all the issues they were bored with and wouldn't engage with six months ago. Well, that's a good summary, whatever the source of the quote. It's, uh, it is a good summary. We are arguing about... The we, we're getting yeah. to policy. Yeah. And the sun is shining. It is shining. Yeah, Excellent. We're delighted. Thank you. And here's carrot-topped Andrew Neil. Uh, nowadays, the BBC's Andrew Neil. I thought his demeanour was interesting. He wasn't tetchy. Doesn't uh, he? He's becoming his own man now. It's amazing what a bounce in the polls can do well, to you. We'll do it for all of us. Now, you asked a horrible, mean, rotten question about yes, his expenses. Uh, Nick, you said at the, on the TV debate on Thursday night that what I've supported all my adult life is a complete clean-up from top to toe of politics. Yet in your own expenses claims, you regularly claim more than Gordon Brown or David Cameron. You claim for £5,000 for a new kitchen, a gardener to prune your apple and plum trees, a handyman to build a wall for your rose garden, a shopping trip to Ikea for cushions, napkins and a cake pan, hundreds of pounds worth of phone calls to Colombia, Vietnam and Belgium, which you had to pay back, £10,000 towards the cost of stamp duty when you bought a new house. That doesn't sound like you spend all your adult life trying to clean things up. And there he was slightly hesitant, but he got through it. Yeah, and it's now our house. Did you know that, that the house was our house? Well, the listeners may not know that uh, Nick Clegg said this house of his in Sheffield, about which the furniture and the kitchen, Andrew Neil, unkindly, all paid for by us. There he goes again. Uh, It's not my house, he said. It's the taxpayer's house. And when, I I think he must mean this, when he sells it, the profit will go back to the taxpayer, not like Hazel Blair's. Would be nice to know when he first said that. Well, I expect your team of researchers on The Politics Show will tell us by lunchtime. They are Thank you very much. away. 
Right, we've moved from London and Nick Clegg's press conference. We've been on the uh, Paddington train to the West Country and we're just walking across the rail bridge at Chippenham. Uh, the train's still in the station, Nick Clegg's just got off. He's being filmed by several film crews which have come with him, a couple of policemen on the station. It's always interesting the significance of a, or weight of a politician, the importance is often measured by the security. And he's getting more, that's interesting. He's got a big yellow bus, we're coming out into the car park to see. Very professional, Liberal Democrats change the... Uh, uh, that works for you and naturally there's a big picture of Nick and Uncle Vince on the side of the bus and there's a small crowd here I would say 30 or 40 people well we're in the back of a taxi now we're going to Lackham College to follow Nick Clegg and uh, like all sensible reporters uh, you ask uh, uh, your taxi driver uh, what the local economy feels like at the moment taxi drivers usually know it's a difficult position I think Chippenham has been quite badly affected by some shop closures. We lost our Woolworths, like a lot of other people. Wavin, who are one of the big local employers, have been laying off. What do they make? Uh, they're a plastics company. Which way do you um, Which way do you normally vote? Normally Tory. Uh, any chance of wavering towards the Lib Dems this time? Do you think? Um, no. No. Okay. That's one non-floating voter we've got there. Thank you very much. Now, I don't know if you can hear that. In the background there are genuine sheep. They're just the kind of voters every party needs. Get a few sheep. They all do the same thing. Nick Clegg is heading this way. He's not arrived yet. Uh, The sheep are all running uh, in the opposite direction as far as they can get away from the Lib Dem leader because I spy in the field a sheepdog and a shepherd. And for some reason, they're... um, they're sending them off out of earshot. So no, no sheep voting for, uh, for Nick Clegg today. He's got the students to uh, focus on. And uh, can I see his bus coming? I think I can. Now. Liz Peplow. Who is the West Country organiser of the Lib Dems in? Based in Chippenham. Uh, Liz used to be an apparatchik in uh, uh, Lib Dem headquarters, and there goes her phone, but she'll come back in a minute. No, she's switched it off for us. Uh, how's the West Country looking for you while we're waiting for Nick Clegg to arrive? It's looking very encouraging. Paddy Ashdown's been out there. He's leading the campaign for us in the West Country, and we're extending his visits every day. So we're adding Totnes and Tiverton and Honiton to his itinerary tomorrow and we're feeling very encouraged. Now, before the Clegg bubble of last week, you were on the defensive in the West Country, really. The Tories, when I was a boy in Cornwall, the Tories held all the seats. Now you hold them all. And since the Tories are on the up in the polls, or were until last Thursday night, uh, you were expecting to lose some of them, weren't you? The the feeling in the West Country, even before um, last Thursday, was actually that the, the Tor- that we were holding our own against the Tories in the polls and there is a, a certainly a sense that regionally there is a following for the Liberal Democrats in the West Country and that the, the Tories aren't making the ground that they would wish to be doing so. Right. Clegg has arrived, we're just entering a barn, there must be at least six TV crews and a dozen snappers. This is the big time at last for the Lib Dems, not since Lloyd George was flogging peerages have they had so much attention I suspect, and Steve Morris from The Guardian has uh, turned up as well, our our regional correspondent in the West Country. Steve, has Chippenham ever seen anything like this? Never anything like this at all, Mark. It's absolutely astonishing, isn't it? Right, there you heard it from an authoritative voice. Nothing like it. Here we go. Right, we're sitting in the back uh, here in this uh, 
large agricultural building where two teams are trying to put together in a competition, uh, uh, put together two old tractors, 1920s tractors. Martin Kettle tells me it's a metaphor for the Liberal Party who will last in power in the 1920s. Uh, and um, Beg is talking, I must say, looks like a city smoothie in this rural uh, setting with uh, agricultural uh, further education students, the late teens, early 20s. Now I've got some uh, young women students at the back of the crowd. They're complaining that they can't hear Nick Clegg and they're quite right. But they've come to see him. Why have you come to see him? Um, to see what he has to say. Yeah. What do you know about him so far? Well, not too much really, but that he's, I heard that he was going to try and make rich people less rich and poor people less poor. That's correct, then, that's what he plans to do, yeah. yeah. And then isn't he stopping tuition fees as well? Well, we're not sure about that. He's certainly in favour of, of that, but uh, uh, you're quite right. Uh, he's certainly looking at it. He's, if you're a student worried about tuition fees, he's your best bet. What about your friend? Are you old enough to vote? Yeah. Are you going to vote on May the 6th? Well, go and listen to this bloke. You know, vast swathes of rural Britain that are, particularly in the southwest, but elsewhere as well, uh, that are represented by Liberal Democrats. You know, there are many, many MPs who represent rural Britain, and they tell me, and when I speak to people in, you know, so many parts of the country uh, who live in rural communities, they say the same thing to me over and over again. Where's the affordable housing? Why is my post office closed? Why has the bus company suddenly put up the fares or changed the routes? Uh, why, uh, why are we not getting a fair, fair price from the supermarkets when we sell our milk mm. and sell our, you know, sell our produce? And if you look at our rural manifesto today, we've got specific solutions to all of those problems. I think because our countryside is so beautiful, and it's, you know, it's fantastically beautiful today, just, just look at all the spring flowers, people sort of think there aren't problems in the countryside. There are profound problems. Children who can't you know, access good schools, uh, transport links which aren't good enough, petrol prices which really hammer people who have to use a car not as a luxury but as an absolute necessity. Well he's been very patient, he's given everyone an interview, he won't give me one uh, but let's see if we can catch him on the hoof uh, while he's uh, on the move walking to his bus because I've got an important local question to ask with a Lib Dem sound as if they're playing old politics, saying one thing in one place and uh, another thing back in Westminster. Thank you. Nick, why did West Country Lib Dems oppose raising the cider tax when you're in favour of raising the liquor tax? Doesn't that look like the old politics because West Country Liberals work in cider constituencies? <laughs> I, think, I think, to be fair, on the whole issue of the taxes on alcohol yeah. is what you want to do is step back. Instead of picking off one little product or one little... Um, but cider's uh, a special case. Well, uh, that's, that's cheap, the debate. Cheap booze. That's the debate. I mean, I think there's a serious issue about... Um, the selling of alcohol, very strong alcohol, at below cost price in our supermarkets. I wandered into my local supermarket in Sheffield about some months ago now. You can now buy one of these small bottles yeah. of vodka. Yeah, I know you're talking about cider, but I'm talking about alcohol because yeah. you I see, don't think the they effect make on the body doesn't really. No, no, yes. no, but the effect on the body, which is the important point I think for politicians, doesn't distinguish between alcohol from cider, okay. alcohol from vodka. And that's you're being pushed. Off we you go. We have to get mics out. That's fine. That's fine. Right, we're back at the bus now. Uh, the enormous media horde is about to get on it, uh, including uh, Martin Kettle from The Guardian. What do we make of the Clegg phenomenon so far, Martin? You've seen it now at the coalface. 
hardly the coalface, is it, with all these daffodils and lambs? But uh, I think it, you know, I mean, I suspect this is an event that was put in the schedule before he became a global superstar. Um, you know, it's the kind of schedule which says, you know, go to marginal seat where we stand a chance of taking one from the Tories. But, uh, of course, now uh, things have moved on a pace and we're in a situation where um, he's... Cut, cutting short his programme and preparing not just for government, but that's uh, maybe too, too, too far away, but uh, certainly for t- uh, Thursday night's debate. Uh, how does he deal with uh, the sort of attention he's been getting these last three or four days? How do you feel he's handling it? Well, I, the little bits I've seen, it seems to me he's uh, holding up... Um, pretty well i mean he's doesn't look overexcited i think people rather underestimate you know how ambitious and how focused this guy is i think he is uh, someone who has his eye on the on the prize and he's a he's a pro and i think uh, people might think he's a bit of a greenhorn but actually i think he knows exactly what he's up to he doesn't make mistakes does he and no. he also seems very grounded he's not making any cocky or arrogant remarks keeps saying the bubble may burst and of course he's right he may but it's useful that he says it and also that he believes it and it's true of course but of course the other thing is that the bubble may actually get a bit bigger before uh, this uh, campaign is over i don't rule that out it's got to be a pretty big bubble before he becomes prime minister ah, that's that's for sure Well, since we're in the West Country, uh, let's hear from Steve uh, Morris, the uh, Guardian's West Country correspondent. We don't sack our regional correspondents like some newspapers do. Uh, He's been down in Totnes in South Devon, a very fashionable, wealthy part of the country in many ways. Uh, Outgoing MP uh, Anthony Steen was unfashionable, uh, but also wealthy. He's the one who made an idiot uh, of himself, saying people were jealous of the uh, big house they'd uh, financed with taxpayers' money. Uh, Now it's wide open, and Steve Morris has been talking to independents and getting the flavour of the anti-politics mood, which is pretty common in the West Country. Uh, a picture of the House of Commons, and you have represented the MPs as ducks. Um, you might call them lame ducks, or you might call them uh, inhabitants of duck houses, or however else you'd like to put it. Many um, people thought that following the expenses scandal, independent candidates might do rather well in this election. I'm in Totnes in Devon to meet a couple of them and to see how the Tory candidate is doing in a seat where the previous incumbent, Anthony Steen, was one of those who got into a spot of bother over his expenses. I'm uh, Simon Drew and I'm an independent candidate. And you're an artist, of course. And I'm an artist and gallery um, keeper and uh, I've been here for 29 years. So why politics now? Well... Because, like a lot of people, I am so disgusted with the main parties. I'm disgusted with the choice that we're given. And therefore, I decided that the best thing that I could do was stand myself. You know how a lot of people think, oh, I ought to do that. That would be something that I could do. Well, I decided I was one of those foolish people who actually decided to do it. So what policies are you talking to people about? Well, the sort of things, of course, that uh, that an independent person, I think, would um, really care about would be certain things that are of national importance but are local. Um, For instance, if it was Brixham, it would be fishing. Not that I'm an expert on fishing, but it would be the thing that I would take seriously. Um, We've had a lot of trouble with rates here. This street that you're in now, Foss Street, had its rates put up more than any other place in the whole country. So you're taking on powerful party machines? 
but you're well, finding Well, I do know are... that, and I, and I know, and obviously, therefore, I would like there to be a hung parliament, because then there would be a chance that those people who were not in the two main parties would actually have more of a say in things. Um, I'd like to see the House of, pa- House of Commons full of people when there is a debate on, and not just a smattering of three or four people before the division bell goes, and they all pour in to, do their, to say, which way am I supposed to be voting today? At his hillside home on Dartmoor, I go on to meet Stephen Hopwood, who runs a complimentary health clinic in Totnes. With the help of MI5 renegade David Shaler, he is standing on the single issue of truth. Well, it's, a, it's, it's you know, encompasses everything, but what it, what it um, starts to do is, is exemplify a polarity. Uh, if I'm standing for truth, then why would I be doing that? Well, because we're being lied to. Most people actually agree with that, but most people don't actually know. Uh, what the truth is uh, that's being disclosed. Um, They're being lied to, lied to about what? Well, uh, how long have you got? Um, <laughs> I think we should start with the economy. We're being lied to about who controls our nation's money supply. Now, what that means is who issues currency into existence out of nothing. We now have a planet with billions and trillions floating around all over the planet. A hundred years ago, there was only millions. There's been a lot of new money created. So, so how many votes do you think you'll get? How many are you aiming for? Um, I'll be happy if I retain my deposit. That would, that would be good. But it's... Um, I, d- I, I want the job. I would be happy to get in. Um, I don't think enough people uh, are prepared, actually, to um, take the psycho-emotional leap that needs to be taken uh, in order to take on board this, un- this new understanding of reality. Once you understand about the, the banks issuing currency and 9-11, the globalisation agenda, and you start to put this together, like you said earlier, it's frightening. The Tory candidate, Sarah Wollaston, is interesting. A local GP, she was chosen to fight the seat after the party held an open primary. Everybody in the constituency, regardless of their politics, was invited to vote to choose who would stand. She sounds a bit like she's not absolutely convinced she's glad she won. How are you enjoying the campaign so far? It has its moments. Actually, it's very interesting, and every day I have to remind myself that this is a really interesting job. Of course there are times when you have your low moments, when you wonder why you're giving up the nicest job in the world to do a job where it feels some days that everybody um, thinks you must be in it for the wrong reasons. And that is a huge... I cannot tell you the difference between knocking on someone's door as a GP and knocking on someone's door saying you'd like to be their MP. It is extraordinary. It's sometimes you feel a wave of hostility. And it's if you can actually get over that and actually engage with somebody, or they're prepared to let you engage with them, then it always ends well. It's just getting over that initial hump. Steve Morris reporting there. Well, Nick Clegg's speeding back to London now on a train ahead of us. Uh, he's trying to save his strength. He's cancelled a trip to Oxford. He's going to prepare for this debate to, on Thursday. He's got to go to the West Country if he can get there by plane tomorrow. Uh, but he's not uh, wasting his time on the uh, London train. He's uh, doing an interview with the New York Times, always a flattering uh, interview to do, the biggest paper in the United States. Uh, and uh, uh, we hear that uh, he's getting advice on how to run his campaign from Howard Dean. Do you remember him? He was the governor of Vermont who thought he was going to be the Democrat nominee 
uh, for the presidency in 2004. He shouted too much for my taste, uh, and he blew up. And of course, uh, Clegg's, uh, on his own admission, not a shouter, but afraid he uh, might blow up as well. Uh, we've also got other good news from uh, our correspondent Luke Harding in Moscow. He says that the Russian press are playing up part Russian Clegg as a Russian aristocrat. Well, there's a chance there for David Cameron, isn't there? If he can prove that Cleggie was related to Stalin, the Tories may be back in the game. Uh, stay with us for the Guardian Politics uh, election coverage tomorrow. It's coming from Birmingham uh, with my uh, colleagues, uh, observer thinker Nick Cohen, columnist Jackie Ashley, and the peripatetic John Harris. I'm Michael White. That's all from me. Hope to be back with you on Thursday night after the big debate, of course. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.